Let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you, Lord, so much for this beautiful afternoon. Thank you for this opportunity to remember Palm Sunday, the events that took place um, near 2,000 years ago. And God, also the events that took place in the Feast of Passover um, as we begin that festival this week. Lord, we pray right now that you would turn our hearts towards you, that you would open us up to the power of the presence of your Holy Spirit in this place, to the indwelling love of your Son in our midst. And God, we pray that we become more and more like you as we study your word, that our study would become an act of worship tonight. We bless you, God, for this opportunity together, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our message tonight is entitled, Humanity's Cry. And we're just going to sort of delve a little bit into Palm Sunday. Now, I grew up with Palm Sunday in a Lutheran church. I didn't grow up, I guess, what you would call evangelical. That feels like something that was invented more recently, I guess, or at least it was invented for me by the time I went to college, because that's when I started going to a Presbyterian church, and that felt more evangelical. Like, they raised their hands. That was a thing that we didn't do in worship when I was growing up. Uh, So there were different things that I had not experienced. I never learned growing up in Lutheran church, the Romans road, that was an evangelical thing, not a Lutheran thing. I didn't pray the prayer. I just grew up always following Jesus. Um, So all of that in my Lutheran upbringing very much shaped who I am. And part of my upbringing was really keeping the liturgical or church calendar. Um, So every year we had a cycle of readings and there would be certain things that we would say and do. And Palm Sunday became my favorite holiday. And you'd think that's weird for a kid because generally there's no gifts exchanged at Palm Sunday. Like you're not waiting for that gift underneath. But I loved Palm Sunday and let me tell you why. In the Lutheran tradition that I grew up in, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, I guess we were evangelical, I just never knew that word. Um, In that ELCA ELCA tradition, we had to keep Lent. And so Lent started with Ash Wednesday, and it was 40 days prior then to uh, the Good Friday week, that holy week. And so as we kept Lent, we would start that Ash Wednesday, and then every Wednesday we would go to church that evening, and every Sunday we would still have church. But for those 40 days of preparation for the cross, we were not permitted to sing any song that had like an upbeat rhythm. So everything for those 40 days was mournful and preparatory. There was no Hosanna, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, everybody. For 40 days, it was kind of somber. And the choir and the organist and everyone would always have to pick songs that they wanted to do from the hymns that didn't include any of those praise upbeat songs until Palm Sunday. And even though no one ever had explained that to me, I sensed it as a child. I sensed a period of preparation. I sensed a period of mourning and of preparedness for that opportunity when we would begin to see and and get ready for the celebration of Palm Sunday. And then on Palm Sunday, you would show up at church and there would be palm branches out and people would be waving them. And as kids, we, we learned how to weave them into crosses. Anybody? Anybody learn how to do that? Yeah. All right. So we would have like, I mean, it was just fun. And everyone's all of a sudden, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, like everyone's shouting, and all of a sudden we get to finally say our praise songs and, and exult in all of that that we had been sort of squashing and holding in for 40 days. So I loved Palm Sunday. And this is that story from Matthew 21. Let's read together. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey, and there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. 
This took place to fulfill what's spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, say to daughter Zion, that's Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees. The gospel writer John tells us those are palm branches. Cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Growing up, I kind of thought in my head that it all looked a little bit like this. happy everyone's smiling they all have these palm branches they're laying them down it's very royal it's exactly what you'd expect would happen as a king comes into jerusalem this incredible moment but we have to remember is that palm sunday was not a holiday that got invented that day i mean it did in some ways but in other ways we're missing this larger context because when jesus is entering into jerusalem It is the 10th day of the month where they are preparing for Passover, for the Feast of Unleavened Bread and for Passover. And it was actually the day when households would select a lamb. It was Lamb Selection Day, according to Exodus chapter 12. And Passover was a feast of freedom. If those of you who don't, maybe you're not as familiar with the book of Exodus, but Passover remembered when the Israelites had been enslaved by Egypt, enslaved by the evil Pharaoh, and that God had set them free. He passed over the homes that had the blood of the lamb on the lintel post of the doorframe. And if you'll recall, maybe it looked a little bit more like this. Let's go! 
Israel had been enslaved brutally. And Exodus chapter 2 tells us that during that long period, the king of Egypt died and the Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked down on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Notice that the Israelites don't cry out actually to God. They just cry out as a result of the slavery. They don't even know who to cry out to in this moment. But God hears the cry of the oppressed. And the feast of Passover is a feast of freedom. It's a feast that remembers that we were once enslaved in Egypt, but that God looked down upon us and said, that is not okay, and redeemed and rescued and fulfilled all of his redemptive promises that he had made to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. So when Jesus gets on that donkey and he starts to walk into Jerusalem, ride into Jerusalem, it is in the context of that festival. The context of a festival that remembers that God is strong enough, that his arm is mighty enough to rescue us, to redeem us, and to overthrow the oppressors. Who are the oppressors of Jesus' day? It's Rome. And not long after this time, a mere 40 years after Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem at this time, Rome will completely oppress the Jewish people. Rome will destroy the temple. Rome will burn it down. There will be so many crucifixions that they will run out of wood. Josephus says. They will so brutalize the Jewish people living there in Jerusalem that they will run out of wood in trying to kill and to oppress this people group from rising up against Rome. You see, in Jesus' day, there is an oppressor just like Egypt. And as they are running, it's Jesus is going in to Jerusalem. Everyone is waiting for deliverance again. In fact, that's why they cry out, Hoshana. All of us growing up, I always thought Hosanna just meant praise him, but it doesn't. In Hebrew, it means save, please. An Anchor Bible Dictionary describes it this way. The provocative impact of cries of help, save, please, accompanied by palm waving, can be appreciated by reference to 2 Maccabees 10, 5 through 8 which tells us how the first Hanukkah celebrating hard-won but short-lived political and religious independence was actually a repeat performance of the crucial reign rights of Sukkot, given new political significance by coincidence with recent victory over foreign rule. Memories of this delivery some two centuries earlier made the cries of Hosanna, help, save, please, a powerful appeal calculated to incite the oppressed and alarm the oppressors. Who are the oppressors of Jesus' day? It's Rome. And who are those that oppressed? All of the Jewish people, all of the Israelite people who are living in their land, but they're not free. They are oppressed by Rome. And as they pick up those palm branches, which are a symbol of the Maccabean revolt, of their cleansing of the temple when they kicked out Antiochus Epiphanes. As they pick up those palm branches and as they start to shout, it's not what I thought growing up. Oh, here he comes. We really love him. Let's just have a party and praise the Lord. It is save us. Deliver us. Give us freedom. Set us free. Kick out the oppressor. Do justice, God. Set things right. And if you're Rome and you're sitting at the Antonio Fortress and you're watching and you already know this is the festival week, that these people celebrate the overthrow of the oppressors. They celebrate freedom. And you're Rome and you're sitting up. Palm Sunday probably looks a little more like this. 
Not so much with all of the palm branches and all of the excitement and all of that kingly thing. It's a nice picture, but it's probably not very accurate. Palm Sunday looks a little bit more like, who's that guy? We're Rome. We stand on the Antonio Fortress and we look over the Temple Mount. And up on that hill, we see him and a large crowd coming down. And they're waving palm branches of insurrection, remembering the stories, not just of Passover and the redemption from Egypt, the thousand years before, but they're also remembering the story of the Maccabean revolt when they kicked out the Greeks just a century before, century and a half before. They're remembering all these stories and they're saying, yes, do it again. Here we go. You're the guy. And Rome's like, that's the guy. That's the guy. He needs to go. And the first thing Jesus does is he comes down off the Mount of Olives as he walks into that temple and he cleanses it, just like the Maccabees had done, where they cleansed and rededicated the temple, giving us the festival of Hanukkah. Now Jesus comes down with those cries of revolt, of save us, God, and he walks into that temple and he cleanses it. And Rome's like, oh yeah, no, he really has to go. The people cry out because of their oppression. They cry out for justice. And again, they are crying out and believing as they are celebrating this feast of Passover, which for us will begin tomorrow evening. And 82 plus of you will be coming right here to this building for Passover Seder tomorrow night. And as we remember this same story of freedom, we'll recognize that this has been humanity's cry throughout all of history. Humanity regularly cries out for freedom, for deliverance. Over and over again, we cry out. And I see a whole army of my countrymen here in defiance of tyranny. You've come to fight as free men. And free men you are. What will you do without freedom? Will you fight? Fight against that? No. We will run. And we will live. Die. Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live. At least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance just one chance to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives but they'll never take our freedom give us free give us us free Your Honor, please instruct the defendant that he cannot disrupt these proceedings with such a... Give us us free! If we are to have any semblance of order in this court, Your Honor... Give us us free! Give us us free! Keep crying out, give us free, or anything else... Give us us free! I have to question this witness! Give us us free! Give us us free! 
responsible for acts of sabotage with the intention of overthrowing the government. Nelson Mandela, do you plead guilty or not guilty? My lord, it is not I but the government that should plead guilty. We will never leave you. You will never touch a woman or a child again. It's a pity they didn't hang you. I'm going to make sure you wish they had. The more they oppress us, the harder we fight. Freedom. It is an ideal for which I am prepared to die. Shall we begin? This will be the day. This will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with new meaning, My country tears of thee. Sweet land of liberty of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. And so let freedom ring. We love these stories because there are stories where humanity cries out for its basic human right to be free, to be set apart from those that are striking to oppress us, to be set apart to do exactly what it is we've been called to do, to be able to live free. We love these stories. Hollywood loves these stories. These are the stories that resonate, and this is the cry that was happening that Palm Sunday. That lamb selection day, that day when the Passover feast was starting to begin that coming week in Jerusalem. These are the stories that we still live with today. A cry for freedom. Humanity continues to cry out for freedom. We all have that cry. We've all cried it in one way or another. We've cried to be let go of the moment that we're in. We've cried freedom from our oppressive boss. We've cried freedom from a deeply oppressive relationship. We've cried for freedom from physical pain. We've cried out for freedom from the brokenness of our relationship with God and with one another. We have cried out because we want deliverance. We want freedom. I want freedom. I want freedom from the moment that I'm stuck in. And I want to be delivered to the next one. We all cry out for freedom. This is humanity's cry. And this is the cry that met Jesus as he was coming into Jerusalem. Free us, God. Deliver us. Save us. Save us from what is oppressing us. The Passover is not only a festival of freedom, but it's also a festival of questions. We can sit and ask questions like, why God? Why are we being oppressed? Why haven't you delivered us yet? As the Israelites were enslaved for 400 years, there were generations that passed and did not see deliverance. And they asked questions. But the text actually tells us that Passover, keeping Passover is not kept unless we cause our children to ask a question. Exodus chapter 12, obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. And when you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, observe this ceremony. And when your children ask you, what does this ceremony mean to you? Then tell them. It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord who passed over the house of the Israelites in Egypt and who spread our homes, spared our homes when he struck down the Egyptians. 
And in Exodus 13, eat unleavened bread during those seven days. Nothing with yeast in it is to be seen among you, nor shall any yeast be seen anywhere within your borders. By the way, they have worked very hard here at Etz Chaim this week to make sure that this is true. So this will be your last weekend with bread-type items on the back for the hospitality. And next week, we'll have fruit and some packaged for kosher for Passover items. Because this is the command. And when that happens, on that day, you tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Every generation is to consider themselves as though they had been set free from Egypt. And this observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. For the Lord brought you out of Egypt with a mighty hand. We have been set free. Those of you that know, uh, part of what Spark does is we work very hard on the issue of human trafficking. And this story stirs me still to this day. But Gary Haugen, the founder of International Justice Mission of IJM, tells a story about a girl named Elizabeth who was kidnapped and trafficked, promised a job, but instead placed into a brothel. And when she was placed into that brothel, she said, God, you must find a way to deliver me, to set me free Within one year, I cannot make it more than one year. After seven months of being in that brothel, she was found by the investigators of IJM. And after a long, drawn-out process of trying to secure her freedom and then cause a sting operation on the brothel, when they were finally able to rescue her, this is the verse that they saw written on her wall. She had written this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid when the wicked advance against me to devour me? It is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fail. The faith of that little girl to write those words on the wall of her brothel as these wicked men came in to devour her. And instead she said, I have a God who rescues and I'm trusting that he is bringing deliverance. And she didn't make it to that year mark. Within seven months, she was rescued. Because of people like you who invest in a rescue and a deliverance that we still see today. This is humanity's cry. God rescue, God redeem. And honestly, it's the only way that I can live with the fact that there is terrible injustice and terrible oppression in this world is that I believe that just like Exodus chapter 2, there's a God that hears her cry. There's a God that paid attention to the fact that she had scrawled those words onto the wall of her brothel. There's a God that desperately was paying attention and sent people to rescue and redeem. We are still crying out today. Young girls crying out today for freedom, for freedom from oppression, for the freedom to learn to read and to write. People crying out today, slavery of the Passover, the slavery that we see in the cartoon of Prince of Egypt, the slavery we read about in our Bibles, it is not unfortunately gone. It is still with us today. On the 9th of October, 2012, the Taliban shot me on the left side of my forehead. They shot my friends too. They thought that the bullet would silence us. But they failed. We told you about the 14-year-old girl in Pakistan who stood up against the Taliban so that girls could go to school. Malala Yousafzai has been using the attack meant to silence her to raise awareness about her cause. There is now a movement for Malala to receive the next 
Nobel Peace Prize. I'm Adam. All the sort of old pictures you might have had of slavery, where there's somebody picking cotton driven by a whip, or ancient slaves being driven to make bricks. I have seen people making bricks by hand that are forced to do that, and if they don't, they're going to get beaten. I've seen children doing this for. 12, 14 hours a day, seven days a week in rock quarries of slavery. It may have a different disguise today. It might have a different lie behind it, but it's always the same thing. It's people being forced to labor by coercion and violence, and it's massive. This cry out, our cry for freedom, is still here today. We're still in desperate need of deliverance. We're still in desperate need to be set free. And not just in those big, obvious ways of looking at the brick kilns, Not in the giantly oppressive, horrible ways of looking at brothels and the sex trafficking. But in the small ways. In my life, every day, learning and yearning for that freedom. Trying to seek out and find deliverance. We are all crying out for that. In one way or another, our hearts cry out, reach for freedom. Freedom from our illness Freedom from our loneliness, freedom from our oppression, freedom from our pain. We are seeking that out. That is what Palm Sunday is about. It's a cry for deliverance. It's a cry for justice. That's what this Passover week is about. This Passion Week, this Holy Week. It's all about deliverance. John chapter 8, Jesus says this. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What is it that you and I need to be set free from? What is it that the son is willing to set you free from? What is it that Jesus can step into right now in our midst? How is it that he can set you free, set me free? Where is it that we're feeling oppressed? Where is it that we are endangered? Where is it that we're in danger of losing our soul? Where have we lost our way and where is deliverance going to come? Paul says in Galatians, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We have been set free. If the Son has set us free, we are free indeed. Jesus offers us a freedom that is beyond all other freedoms that can be provided. A freedom to fully engage with him, to fully be in relationship with God to be in reconciled relationship with one another. God is here willing to set us free, willing to release the bonds of our oppression in the very big ways that all of humanity cries out, God, please deliver. God, we cry out for justice. We cry out for deliverance. We cry out for freedom. And in the very, very small, personal, intimate ways that we never talk to anybody about, freedom from that besetting sin, freedom from that which it is that has entrapped us and snared us. Freedom from the sins of our relationship, the sins of pornography, the sins of our thought life, the things that entrap us, that bring us the sin of gossip, the things that we participate in, that we're enslaved to, that we still need that deliverance from. Jesus is here to set us free from all of that. So if Passover is a Passover, a festival also of questions, then what will you say when your children ask you? 
What will you say when your children or your grandchildren ask you, where were you when 27 million people were enslaved? Where were you when you heard that the human trafficking industry of the 21st century was making $32 billion a year? Where were you? Because I don't know if they'll always ask the question, where was God when 27 million people were enslaved? I do believe they will ask the question, where were you? I'm not asking the question, where is God? Where was God at the Rwandan genocide? Where was God right now with Sudan? Where was God during the Holocaust? Where was God during the human trafficking slavery? Where was God during the civil? Where was God? I'm not asking that question. Where were his people? Where were his people? And did we stand up and say, yes, I have been given that freedom in Christ. The freedom we cried out for, even though we didn't know what we were asking for. When we grabbed those palm branches and we started waving them as Jesus was coming in to Jerusalem. And we started saying, yes, God, kick out the Romans. Do the violent thing. We want the uh, the freedom that we can imagine. When we started crying out for that freedom we could imagine, instead he gave us so much more. So much more than we could ever ask for through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, setting us free from sin and death forever. As we look back at those moments, we see where God is at work. And now as those of us who have been set free, set free indeed, what is it that we will do? How will our hands and feet this week, today, right now, this moment, begin to bring more freedom into this world, more deliverance, more hope, more salvation than we've maybe brought before? What is it that we can do today? How will we answer our children? This is how I celebrated Palm Sunday. This is how I celebrated Passover. I remembered those that were still enslaved, and I did something to help set them free. I remembered my brother or sister that was enslaved to unforgiveness, to guilt, to disappointment, to lost. They were lost separated from God. I remembered them in that moment and I brought freedom and deliverance and the power of Jesus in that moment. Where do we get to move? Where this week will we get to act on behalf of a God who desperately wants to bring that freedom and salvation? What will we say when our children ask us? I pray that we say we were there. We heard the cry. We heard the cries of the girls in the brothels. We heard the cries of those in the brick kilns. We heard the cries of our brothers and sisters who were enslaved to disappointment and hurt and pain in their broken marriages, in their broken relationships, in their painful past. And we said, we have freedom in Christ for you. May we be a people who are deeply marked and deeply shaped by this festival of freedom. And may we trust that Jesus the one who rode into Jerusalem as a king on a donkey, and the one who did much more than just kick out Rome, the one who set free all of us, set us all free from the power of sin and death. May his power be at work within us as we go about his work in this world, bringing more of his reign and his rule here on earth as it is in heaven. I'd like to invite now the band to come on forward, and they're going to lead us in a closing worship song. We just ask that you would take this time to dedicate our hearts, to dedicate whatever it is in our small way that we're able to do this week to bring more freedom. It might be that all we're going to do is open up our hands in prayer and say, Jesus, set me free.
Set me free to worship you. Set me free to be in relationship with you. Set me free to fully experience the salvation you have, the freedom from sin and death you've provided for me. Set me free from the guilt and pain of my life. Set me free to worship you fully. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We hold our hands open before you and ask you, God, that you would simply answer our prayers of deliverance, that you would answer our cry to be set free, that you would do mighty work through people like Moses and Miriam of Aaron of 3,000 years ago, through the person of Jesus and those that followed him. That mighty work that you did, you are still that God. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us to do that mighty work today. That when our children ask us, where were you? God, we'll be able to say you were there and you were acting with us and through us, your obedient servants. Thank you, Lord, for being a God of freedom and deliverance and hope. Set us free, Lord. Set us free from all that would bind us and restrict us and set us free from those chains, Lord. And let's start to live a, a life fully yielded to you. Set us free from worry, from strife, from pain, physical and emotional. Set us free, Lord. Set us free.